We also will. We know our ICP. Do you? Coke has billions of dollars of, of data to say we know who our customer is. Do you have that? Because if you yeah. have a million dollars of data saying, oh, I know who my customer is, like, nah. That's not a significant amount of information to be able to, like, meaningfully tell you your customers. Hello and welcome back to the D2C Deep Dive. Today we're chatting all things ad creative and I'm so excited. We're joined by Chase from Pencil. Pencil is an AI software that allows you to generate a whole heap of ad creative in a single click. It's such a cool piece of software and I'm really excited for this conversation. So if you want to learn about ad creative, you want to better your ad creative, then this is the episode for you. Chase, welcome to the DTC Deep Dive. How are we doing today? Are we doing well? It's a Friday, Friday. Uh, what are we looking for? Good, good weekend heading, heading into it? Yeah, good, good weekend. Uh, you know, my wife has sent me the agenda for the weekend, so I am uh, I am on I am on duty with a lot of uh, family family stuff. Um, and apparently, we so we live in LA, and like across there's a canyon. We have to drive across like twenty minutes, and we're at the beach. So apparently, I have to like set up the car for that. It's gonna be lovely, exciting. Um, yeah, by Sounds lovely great. I mean a lot of lot of work for me, so, <laughs> as always. Um, yeah. So today we're gonna be talking about content obviously content is my thing but content's yeah. a little bit different when we speak to you because it's it's like ai driven i guess it's mm -hmm. like you know you're you're using artificial intelligence to create mm -hmm. a whole lot of content at pencil so first of all as always let's let's introduce yourself introduce pencil go for it yeah Cool. So uh, I'm Chase Moseni. I am uh, head of marketing and growth at Pencil. So Pencil exists to help D2C brands uh, scale their businesses through creative automation. And why we're able to do that is you can test at scale. So essentially, Fraser, you know how hard it is to create amazing ad units. Mm -hmm. um, and there's amazing operators on the creative side creating all these different types of content, but then you have to splice it up and make it into meaningful different yeah. ad units. What Pencil does is it uses algorithms, your data, and then your your branding and assets, combines those things to figure out what's been working great for your current customers and make ads that have a higher probability of pulling in your next customers. So that's essentially how it works, but we can br uh, break that down into some simpler terminology. Essentially use your use your old ads to make good new ads is the way I always look at it. Yeah, and I think I always say this, this is something that people people forget about is that it's not all about generating new content all the time because if you think of a this you know like the ocean, right? That's all the people which could potentially see your ads. You're never going to reach all of them in one sitting, right? So the chances yeah. of people seeing your you know the same content multiple times and even caring if they do is so small that there's that there's no reason not to be reusing all that content. So how can how can Pencil help brands and also creators as well generate more content which can convert most importantly? Yeah, I think I think the the big thing to call out is is what you just said. There's you know, there's this ocean of total total addressable market, right? Um and then there are pockets of serviceable addressable market and they're all predicated on the angle of mm -hmm. how you're communicating to them. So there are all these adjacent audiences within this ocean and each one of them is going to respond to a different style. So maybe there's one big pocket, say 
um, that, you know, uses a hook of me talking like this right into the camera. But then there's these other three 20% pockets that, you know, actually are 60% of your, uh, of your audience that need, for instance, I don't know, the, the, the product right in the shot right away and, and different kind of angles. You have all of this content in a bank, right? It's hard to go remix these things and test them at scale because each one of them, you, you want to be super methodical and there's a lot of subjectivity mm -hmm. and emotion that goes into it. What we say is just go test multiple things and I can give you some data around kind of what the, um, like what that looks like at scale, but you have to test multiple angles to figure out who your other, your, most of your customers are. So if you're yeah. just going after ICP, there's an upward bound with that, with creators and or brands. So what I would like to say to brands in general is don't get so stuck on one, like one style because it will eventually be saturated for your customer and they're going to want to see something else. And then you're going to be scrambling. So if you don't have mm -hmm. a bank of strategies that then you can scale up. So say that little 10% strategy that's been delivering really great ROAS and payback period and all of those other metrics that we're excited about. That's something you can say, okay, we have a kernel of something here. Let's go test angles within that category of style. So it's really about understanding testing is the way that you're going to always be able to essentially flatten out the valleys, right? If you go look at people's revenue numbers when they're running ads, it's like, it's always like an undulating ocean, yeah. right? Waves. What testing at scale and having kind of a bank of ideas that you're going to be ready to go off is you can flatten out those things so that you don't have to deal with these dips when you're trying to find something new to hit. You have things that you know are ready to go. Hmm. Yeah. And yeah. how are you finding that people are using a service, a service like yours? Is it that they're, that they're just jumping in, making a lot of assets, and then they're the final assets? Or are they doing what I think would be a better way? is to use your service to get the testing stuff and then almost remaking those as, you know, final assets and then mm -hmm. running those. Because I think that's that's a really interesting way to use it because you still, you know, for a lot of brands, they still care about high quality. We want this, you know, this is, mm -hmm. this is us. This is our brand. We don't want to be represented by cheap looking content or, yeah. you know, or mm -hmm. fast created content. Mm -hmm. How are you finding is the most popular way that people are using Pencil? So I think there's, there's two answers to that question. First of all, a great question. Um, there's one, which is there are brands that don't have that ability because they're mm. smaller. And so they're just like, yeah. hey, we just need ads. Right. And so it's yeah, a very yeah. transactional, Hey, this helps me get to the place I need to go and I'm going to make a few changes, but this is, you know, this is good enough. Um, the second one is the, I think the one that we deal with a lot when we're talking, for instance, like D2C Twitter, it's a lot of high-end brands that have kind of a, mm -hmm. a floor of creative production that they're looking for. So the one is they have good assets. So the system is going to be able to generate something that is, you know, is good. Um, but there is a layer of subjectivity that goes into it. And so the question becomes, and, and I, I will phrase this as, if you're only trying to make really highly produced ads, go look at the brands that you look up to. So I'll just use Athletic Greens because we did a breakdown of this recently. If you go look at their ad library, they have UGC content, they have highly produced content. Um, but then if you break down like which ones look like they're the ones that have been converting for a long period of time, it's usually the kind of more human looking ads, right? They have some really slick ones. And then the slick stuff is where you like, it's the landing experience. And so yeah. when I talk to brands, I always say, look, you have to have kind of a distribution similar to what I said before, but there is always that, hey, we'd rather have something that looks really, really good. 
and highly produced. And so what you see is they'll, they'll come and say, okay, we want to test these things. And then, like you said, take the learnings and make more mm -hmm. highly produced stuff, or we're going to bring our, our really highly produced content and see if pencil can use that to make some stuff that feels similar to the things that we're getting. Um, but I have never seen a brand that's doing at a certain scale kind of solely use pencil as their, as their distribution, like their, their ad content distribution, um, main stop shop. Um, but I've seen them kind of edge towards, okay, all of our testing content is going to be from there. So that's yeah. generally what I see. And then they take those things and, and, and use it. And then they go and iterate more on testing. And the idea basically is this. It's hard to come up with new ideas. Why not let the machine, which is essentially using the stuff from our customers, the data from our customers, iterate for us, and then we can take that and make it better. So there's yeah. there's multiple ways to use it, but that's a that's kind of a main use case for like more high end, big big spenders that are using pencil. That's such a great point that it's that I think is the most difficult part about making content is coming up with all the angles, coming up with different ideas of how you can present something. Right? Like we've had yeah. we've had clients in the past where we just got stuck and we like, how, how else can we possibly present X product, right? Like you mentally are just like, surely I've exhausted all the ways that you can do this, but you'll be shocked that there are definitely other ways to do this, you know? And I think like you said, it comes in the type of product that the, the style of style of content that you're creating and diversifying that the most you can. Like I've seen so many brands rely solely on ugc and they're like well this is bringing yeah. in all the money so this is what we're going to keep on doing yeah and then that suddenly stops working and then they're like oh no what do we what do we do like what's what's been the most popular type of content that you found that people are using with pencil is it ugc or are they using pencil to diversify their content yeah i think the second part of that is is what what is happening uh, they're trying to diversify their content essentially the thing that they're able to do is bring in their entire content library and just click a button and see like what mm. the, the machine will remix for them. Um, what the system tries to do is say like, look, you have product shots, you have brand and lifestyle images, you have UGC um, and, you know, like brand content, video, whatever. Um, let's just try to make an amalgamation of these things that can tell a story and build a narrative and write copy into it. Um, and so it's going to try to build all of those things together. So you'll get, for instance, UGC hook, uh, then a product shot, then a brand video to close it out. And it feels like, well, these are three kind of these, these don't seem like they should work together, but essentially it's a volume thing, right? If the mm -hmm. system creates 10 things, if you find three that are going to work for you, you can export them and, and, you know, and get going and you don't have to say like the onus isn't on making that one perfect ad. I think yeah. the... The thing you have to come into something like pencil, not everything, right? But something like pencil is coming with a little bit more of an open mind and say, okay, this is going to test something that I wouldn't think works, but yeah. like, I, I have a great example for you. So the other day, a, uh, a brand director came and was like, look, this is, I don't like this. I don't like that. So we, I was like, look, let's just look at the data. Okay. I, I hear you. I believe you want to service, want to service you. We went and looked at the data. For the last 10 weeks, all of the pencil ads are 70% higher on CPA, on ROAS, on AOV that's coming in. And like, we're looking in their triple account, right? It's not even like, like we're saying, oh, platform metrics. Like this yeah. is like properly downstream where we're looking at what's happening. And so 
the idea is this, you can think what you like, but the data is what's going to tell you what actually matters. Cause your customers at the end of the day mm -hmm. are the ones that are responding to the ad creative and your landing experiences and your offer, et cetera. And that's what's what matters. And if your yeah. God is like, oh, we must create the best looking ads. It's going to fail you long-term. Like you have to make great looking ads, but you have to essentially respond to the market and understand like how you synthesize those two things. And I think there's a really important and I don't know if it's healthy tension, but important tension between brand and performance and like creative strategists like yourself and other people are essentially trying to bridge those two things. And that's what we try to do is say like, look, your brand, you care about these things. Here's how you can do that. But essentially at the end of the day, if the brand doesn't perform, the brand dies. Yeah. So you have to be working at finding ways for that brand to perform and you can't be so locked into this is how we do things um, because that will, that will always kind of put a limit on where you're going to go. So yeah. I know I went, I went a little bit deep on that, but uh, no, I think no, it's I really think, important to think about. Yeah. That, that, that's such a good point. Like I think as creators and a creative agency, we're always having that battle with a client where they're like, but this doesn't look the way I want it to. This doesn't look the way that I imagined that this was going to look. This doesn't, I mean, basically what they're saying is this doesn't look like an Apple commercial. That's yeah. essentially what they're saying. But then when you, when you break it down, how much of that fancy Apple commercial is the fact that they've built a brand over, you know, however many years and they're a household name and people yeah. will buy anything with an Apple yeah. logo on, right? Yeah. Whereas when you're a smaller fish, you have to follow the performance. You have to follow what your customers want because otherwise, yeah. like, it's, it isn't going to happen. And sometimes, and I'm sure many people can agree, it's the ugly ads that end up being yeah. the best performing. Sure. Like, it's annoying because I love yeah. making good-looking stuff, but yeah. if, that's, if that's where the data is in, and the only way you can get to that is by testing. Yeah. Like, that is the only way that you can get only there. Way. I should have worn my hat, uh, my my make ugly ads hat from Barry. Um, yeah, this, this made, is what I mean. I made, People, I made I made a mistake. Um, yeah, I, I you came should, on yeah, with this definitely. stupid hat. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, think and... what what you're, what you're saying is super important, though. Um, is if you go look at ads, so this is what happens, right? We get loyal to a brand. So, for instance, I'm wearing a Viore hat right now. They don't make ugly ads. Their company is worth five billion dollars. A $5 billion company doesn't make ugly ads. They should, but they don't. Mm -hmm. Lululemon doesn't make ugly ads. They should, but they don't. Away doesn't make ugly ads. They should, but they don't. So like every week I break down one of those kind of good looking ads. I'm like, hey, if we had to retool this to actually drive performance and not just be a slick brand ad because they've earned brand equity, how would you actually do it? Yeah. Like why I like the Athletic Greens example is they're, they're kind of between mm -hmm. cycles. They're still growing, but they, they have a really powerful brand. And so they're doing both things simultaneously. Yeah. But if you go into some of these other accounts, like they're just like very slick fashion photo shoots, you know, and you, you say, how do they drive performance? But it's because they built brand equity. The problem is when you're an upstart and you're doing, say, five to six figure, low six figures in revenue on a monthly basis. And you look at that brand and you say, I want to be that brand. That brand had to do all of the things that you should be doing today to get there, to earn the ability to just have pretty ads. 
And frankly, mm-hmm. they shouldn't be only doing that. They're, I don't think they're actually doing the, like, they're actually running their business in a way that is meaningful to, like, drive revenue on performance channels. And so that's kind of the, I think, the, the, the big disconnect. Um, you shouldn't be looking at a brand that's crushing and worth $5 billion and saying, I need to do, that's the playbook I want to follow today. You're not the same. Yeah. What you should say is, like, look, I want to get there. How did they get there? What's the roadmap? And try to deconstruct that and say like, oh shit, they did this. They did that. We haven't tried those things. Because if you look at, like you said, Apple, it is a terrible example. They have built brand equity the world over. We all have iPhones yeah. in our hands. They can sell us literally anything. We're like, oh, it's Apple. Okay, whatever. Like <laughs> yeah. think about how much, if you're not in the performance space, you s- swallowed the pill of them kind of completely ruining privacy. We're all like, man, Apple screwed all of us. No one else thinks that. They're like, Apple's amazing. We love Apple. Like, <laughs> yeah. They're looking you know after I mean? us. They're looking after us. Yeah, our they, have our, they have our back. And it's like, dude, it was a, it was like a conglomerate versus conglomerate play where they're yeah. like, you know what? We're going to fuck everybody else over for ourselves. Every brand needs to focus on where they're at and know what the next jump is. And what does yeah. that take to get to that jump? Rather than saying, oh, I want to be Apple or I want to be Viore or I want to mm-hmm. be Lululemon. They're, Lululemon is a publicly traded company. You're not Lululemon, and that's okay. You want to be there? That's great. But let's go back 10 years and see what they were doing when they were a $1 million company or $2 million company. And let's see how they made the jump to a $10 million company. And then from 10 to 20 and 20 to 30. And then once you say like, oh, they're a $100 million company, they're making slick stuff. It's like, okay, you've earned the right to do those things. But don't tell me when you're a $10,000 a month brand, you can do all like, no, you can't. You need to do the thing that gets you customers. That's it. Yeah. And and also, I think what people forget is that a lot of these companies don't need to be running Facebook ads or TikTok ads, right? Are Are you telling me that Coke are running Facebook ads because they need the customers? No, they're running it because they, you know, because they have to be on those platforms. It would be weird if Coke weren't running Facebook ads. And so when they're putting together the creative, they're not thinking we need to make sure that this converts they're thinking we need to remind people that Coke exists so when they drive to the shop, they can pick up a Diet Coke, right? And like you said, people aren't thinking that way. You need to think differently to these massive brands when it comes to your ad creative because unless you're at that level of spend and you're at that level of revenue, it's a completely different ballgame. Those I've run, I've run ads for those brands, right? You know, the, the Wrigley's and Doritos companies, the Lay's companies, and essentially they're saying exactly what you said. We just need to stay top of mind so that when people are in the store and, or shopping on Amazon fresh or whole foods Mm -hmm. online, they're top of mind to, to finish, um, to like when they're checking out, say, Oh, well I need, I need like Stripe gum or something. Mm -hmm. Stripe gum is not running performance ads. You know, they're not like, hey, go to our D to C store. Can you imagine the margins on trying to get Stripe gum to to like the shipping and the, you know, all of the kind of infrastructure you need to make a D to C company work? Like they're not doing that, but they are saying, hey, we can run some traffic ads and the like the margins on that are good because we essentially say like, okay, we know what our what our data says in terms of like correlation around if we run these ads, the halo effect of getting people mm. in into stores and purchasing us when they you know go down the gum aisle or something. So, yeah, I think we need to step back and say these are the brands we love. This is where we're going, but this mm. is not where we are. Yeah, right. I want to go to Paris. 
but I'm in LA. So let's think about Vegas first. Let's get to <laughs> Vegas. And then let's get to, you know, and like, we need to move forward from there. Uh, and we'll eventually get to London or Paris or whatever, but we're not there and we're not getting on a Concorde or whatever the new fast, fast jet that they, that they have. That's going to be three hours um, from LA to London. Um, we're not on that jet. We're, we're just driving cross country in a car. Yeah. So take your time. It's okay. Yeah. And uh, you will get there. Um, but it's not going to happen overnight. You have to do the things that like work for the size of your brand and your brand equity today. This week's edition of the DTC Deep Dive is brought to you by Motion. Are you still using spreadsheets to track your creative ad reporting? Well, if you are, you should try Motion instead. Motion bridges the gap with your creative team through visual and digestive reports so that they can make engaging content that actually converts. With one click, you can share insights with your team and add members to your workspace so they can easily deep dive into reports on their own. Motion makes it super easy to identify key drivers for performance and helps eliminate the guesswork in the creative production process. Join the 500 plus teams like Huel, The Ridge and Foxwell Digital in using Motion to improve their ad results. Say goodbye to creative fatigue and try Motion for yourself with a 14-day free trial at motionapp.com. One question that I really want to ask you, which as soon as I mentioned that I have you on the podcast, the team were like, the team asked this, he said, why would I let AI, why would I let a computer make my ad creative? That was the first question that they said. And to be honest, the first thing that came into my head when I heard about you was, well, first of all, I'm out of a job. And, And then after that was, computers are great, but, you know, we all know, you know, what computers can do in terms of AI yeah. and how janky some of the stuff that comes out of them Certainly. can be. So why why should people put their trust into a software like Pencil in order to spit out ad creative, which they're then putting their yeah. hard-earned money behind in order to gain yeah. them more revenue? So I will, before I answer that question, I will kind of pose a question, but it's, it's more rhetorical than anything. Um, we put our trust in algorithms to serve ads and find customers. It's the same thing, right? Yeah. That's just, they have more advanced algorithms, but like we essentially put our, our faith in growing our business into an algorithm, right? Hey, find me more customers on Facebook. Hey, find me more customers on TikTok. Hey, find me more customers mm. on Google, etc. So it's the same thing. And the thing I think that people forget is algorithms are created by people. They're tuned by people. They are like they learn faster than a person would learn. That's why they're so important. Mm. But a person goes and analyzes the data. They look through what's working and what's not. And how many times do we all talk about algorithm changes? When something changes, we're like, oh, the algorithm, you know, we, we bemoan <laughs> the algorithm changes. Yeah. And it's like, no, a person read what was going on with your customers and or the, like the, their, their consumer base writ large, and they made a change. So we do trust algorithms. What we don't trust is our subjective minds versus the objective, the objectivity of the algorithm. So like you run the ad in there, you're like, I can't do anything. It's going to be what it's going to be. So imagine if they cracked open the algorithm and you got to see everything, right? It wasn't a black box. You'd be like, well, fuck this. This is stupid. Like I want to change this. I want to change that. But there's objectivity there. I run an ad. I do my targeting. I choose my budget. It's up yeah. to the gods of uh, the gods of data. I can't do anything anymore. Um, but when you're doing something with pencil, for instance, 
and this is a miscalculation we made and we're learning from it and growing, et cetera. But we thought, okay, everyone's going to be objective. A performance marketer or a growth marketer will say, I have an ad. I, I need five ads. I have some assets. Boom, boom. Because subjectively, pencil works. You put in assets, you get ads out. It happens in a couple of minutes. The problem is creative is very subjective. So you layer on that subjectivity on the objective outcome. And it's like, how do we do this? So to answer your first question, why should you trust AI? It's just using your customer's information and what is working for them to then make new stuff. So we're not actually choosing anything for you. It's we're listening to your customers. And that's kind of like the North should be the North star in my mind of any good business is your customers, what they're responding to and what, or what they're not responding to should essentially be like the prism with which we look through everything. Yeah. Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing is you need volume. So like our data across, you know, $700 million worth of ad spend essentially says if you test 10 ads, you get one that's like a unicorn that like crushes and makes you profit. You get two to three that are like revenue drivers and can you know scale, but they're going to be right around baseline. And then the rest are duds. So the question then becomes, it's not actually that difficult. It's more like how fast are you going to test 10 ads to find those kind of mm. revenue and profit, uh, incremental profit drivers. And so that becomes the question. It's like, then how do you essentially grease the tracks to do that regularly? And how do you cycle through those things at a ever increasing pace? Because essentially you try to raise the floor of your performance and the, the amount of money you're spending. So you have better cash turnover. So the second portion of your question is with creatives, how do you trust it? Pencil doesn't exist without amazing people like you and your team. Like we would mm -hmm. be totally at a loss. We don't create anything, right? People's like, oh, well, Dale is going to come out. Dale still needs stuff to create. It just iterates <laughs> on things, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's the same thing with Pencil. We don't create anything. We need amazing assets. So like we have asset providers we work with. We have stock, a stock library that we've just added to the, to the platform. But if, there's, if you put shit in, you just get a lot of shit out. If you put gold in, you get more gold out. And so it's really predicated on upstream, having amazing creators and creatives making content that is, is great. So like we, we always say, we want to just let creatives actually do the work they're excited about, which is let's do brand ads. Let's create amazing content. Let Pencil do the, the, the grunt work, right? Yeah. Um, like how, if I told you the rest of your life, you don't have to create a 191 ever again. Like that would be incredible. Um, yeah. And so... We essentially want, like, that's what we always think about. Let's give creatives the ability to do the things they love and let's let growth marketers have the, mm -hmm. um, have essentially the, the fuel that they need to get the business to where it needs to go yeah. and compress that middle section, which is super frustrating, tedious, and time consuming. So again, to like TLDR it, uh, if you're a creative or anybody, like we're not doing anything just because we like it. The only thing we ever have to expand is essentially like the template set that's in the system um, so that there's an ever increasing range of like newness there so that it doesn't feel kind of stale after a while. Like, oh, I've seen this look before. It's like, no, no, no. Here is the way that you can kind of find new stuff. So like we're always updating the template. Our creative team is always updating the template library, looking for what's working in the market, what's interesting and building those things because the system like auto creates in After Effects um based on those templates that are in there it takes your assets and and plugs them in um but yeah it's like data and 
actually we need creatives to exist. Like if, if there's no yeah. creative, there's no pencil, you know? Yeah, definitely. Fully agree. Thankfully, yeah. not out of a job just yet. Yeah. Instead, yeah, you, no, 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 you, no. Can, you can aid us. That's what it's about. It's about yeah. collaboration and exactly. using AI to your advantage. Like, you yeah. know, like the the biggest the biggest thing a brand can do is test more content. I can only make so much content. That's how I see it. Is that my team can only create so much content and you know, my writer can only write so many ads. Mm. Right? Like a computer has the capacity to do way more than that. And yes. you know, and keep on doing it as well. What do you think is the biggest lever right now away from just testing more? that yeah. creatively a brand can pull today to start actually seeing changes in their ad account. Because I think so many times I speak to brands and I'm like, we need to test more or you need to do this, but it's going to take two or three months to actually see results. Do you think there's anything yeah. at the moment that, that, a brand can, that a brand can do in order to start to see results? So it's, it's interesting. There's kind of like a, there's a few components to this, right? So say you're running ads and you're saying, oh, well, I'm not getting a great return on these. I don't feel like, like it's converting enough. Oh, we're going to test more. We're going to figure out what's working. But you're still going to run the, the stuff that's mm -hmm. there and kind of as new stuff trickles in, you know, put it in. The big thing that people, this is, I, you, you deal with this on a daily basis. I deal with this on a daily basis. It's very strange, the, essentially, the burden that an ad takes on the entire process without yeah. anyone going and analyzing what's going on with the rest of them. So the best companies do this right and they work with amazing, they either have teams on, inside or they work with amazing providers that do this. But people don't go and look at their landing page experience, their product page experience and their offers and how mm -hmm. the checkout is for people. And essentially there are so many experiments you can run there that essentially will have a meaningful difference on conversion that changes like all of the way that the, like the metrics work downstream. So for instance, like a like a one percent to two percent change on conversion rate because of a land like some landing page testing can have really meaningful impact if your like volume say is is high enough on on traffic because that's revenue in the bank that's AOV long term that's payback period coming in faster that's your ads having like a much higher return on them so you say like oh this ad isn't as bad as it looks but when mm -hmm. an ad doesn't work they don't ever go and look at part two and part three they just yeah. say the ad sucks and it's like well mm -hmm. dude this, it's clicking through incredible. Like people, it, the engagement on is incredible. So is the ad bad or is the experience post ad bad? Yeah. And I think this is kind of the, the thing that everyone, like I always tell people ads are billboards. They're not the store. If yes. you think the yeah, ad yeah. is supposed to sell people, like it, that's not the job. The mm -hmm. ad is supposed to get people interested. The landing page is supposed to sell people. And because it's actually in the store and it's closer to purchase. What we're trying to do is accelerate and give them a warm landing into into that space. And so mm -hmm. if your ad doesn't like get people excited and give them a warm landing with some some understanding of what the product is, then it's not doing its job. But if it's converting pretty well in terms of getting people across the line, the job is make is the landing page good and is your offer competitive? Yeah. Sometimes people will I mean because they're like, "Well, we need these margins, we need this." They essentially go to the business case for their pricing rather than what actually the market dictates. And so I always push people, not because I'm trying to take the onus off the ads, but, you know, understand that the ad is only one third of it. It's just the, it's a lead capture magnet, if you will. And so you have to go down. So I would always recommend people going and recommending to people to go look at your landing pages and understand, 
are they delivering or your product pages, whatever you're sending people to and what experience your customers are having kind of across. So say you're dropping them in a homepage and you're saying, okay, well, let's just let them see what they do. Like, what is the decay across checkout? Mm. Is it like a huge drop off? Okay, well, maybe we need to drop them one step closer to purchase and just see if like that has a meaningful difference. Maybe we need to do a landing page because they need more like explanation around the product. Everything it's predicated on your pricing, like the competition in the market, who's out there. Um, and then how much, you know, like people are browsy for something like this. For instance, if you buy, um, I don't know, like buy t-shirts, guys buy t-shirts, right? You become very loyal to a couple brands, but at the beginning, you're a little browsy. You're trying to try, like, I'm going to try yeah. like one of four, four, four different brands. Then you find the one and you're like, all right, let's go. I don't even need to think about it anymore. Um, but at the beginning, you're like, you're like, okay, what kind of material is it? How does it look on different body types, et cetera. So maybe they need to explain a little bit more to me about it. So your ad is important, but if you, if you're waiting on kind of a testing cycle to ramp up, go look at the next two stages of it and just test and test with yeah. it. Um, because essentially if you're good at your job and you give a little bit on first purchase, like everyone's going to hate me right now in D2C world say give on first purchase margin, but if you know kind of the repeat rate is really high and you can compress that through some of your life cycle work, which is like emails, SMS, et cetera, you can compress the time that people are going to come back and purchase again. You can make that up, say, in a 90 day window, if you will. Yeah. That's going to work with your kind of like cash turnover and things that are in your cash flow for, for the business. Um, so TLDR, check out your landing pages and, and, and uh, landing experiences and look at your offer and how it, how it is competitively in the market versus what your market share is. Because if you're priced above everybody, and your market share isn't great. Like you, you haven't, again, earned the right to have that pricing against how much you're spending on ads, like what you're pressing on, like what your like diversity is in those ads as well to kind of capture more adjacent customers than just that core one that you're starting out with. Yeah, the core, the core stat that I always look at when I'm judging whether an ad is working or not is the click-through rate, because that's all that, all that matters. Like, you yeah. know, I, I, I'm not, when you click on an advert, you're not buying the product, you're going to another page to find out more yeah. or make a purchase. Yeah. So it, it that's one thing which is which has always baffled me is that i've you know we've had clients in the past where the click-through rate has been super high purchase has been hasn't been there yeah and they're blaming the creative why yeah. why would you why would anybody blame the creative at that stage because it's done yeah. its job right the yeah. the ad the ad has has done what it intended to like you said it's a billboard right we're saying come over here click on this if it has done then happy days. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I think focusing on the right on the right metrics when it comes to judging your creative is yeah. the most important thing. You yeah. know, like what final question is how, about data actually is how much should brands look at their past data to inform their creative decisions cuz mm. I've worked with people in the past which they which they're only making decisions on what's worked and what hasn't worked in the past. They're not really willing to try new stuff because mm. it's too risky, mm. right? So how often should people just, you know, go into it and just say, let's just, let's just give it a go. Let's see what works. Or should they just always be led by data and always make the changes, which, you know, which is being directed by those metrics? So uh, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to give an answer that probably not as expected coming from a person who works at a, like essentially a data company. Um, 
you can't become addicted to your data. Mm. So this is what I, again, spicy take. Um, we've all become way too addicted to data over the last 10 years because we have access to it. Yeah. And so like now connected TV is coming up, right? Um, people want to you know, advertise on connected TV. You know what $500 gets you on CPMs on connected TV? 25,000 impressions. Mm-hmm. Nothing. How much do you have to pay for that on Facebook or TikTok? Like, it, yeah. that, you can't even like fathom that 25,000 would cost 500 bucks. People would kill themselves. Um, and so how I, how I recommend people look at this, look, it's directional, but you don't really know until you, until you test. If you say, okay, well, we have to hedge. What, what's your, like, what's your appetite for downside? And like, what's the upside on that? And so if you say like, okay, we can take 10, 15% of our budget and use that for testing. The upside is you find two to three new creatives a month that have meaningful impact. And you can kind of like add to the distribution of different things so that the burden isn't on one style. And so I think that the big one is, is yes, you should do what works, but you shouldn't do, you shouldn't have short-term thinking for long-term plans. And if your long-term plan is, Hey, we're going to be on this, you know, on this channel for years which essentially everyone is going to be facebook instagram isn't going away tiktok isn't going away then you you can't only say this is the only kind of ad we run and this is the only kind of copy we write it will inevitably fail you in the long run Mm -hmm. Um, because once you have saturated yourself in the customers that are going to buy you you then need to go and uh get the customers that might buy you and maybe they don't respond or they haven't responded clearly to the ad or the ad style that you started with. So you have to be willing to say, okay, we're going to go into this and this is our hypothesis. Okay, this style is going to do this. We're hoping that it brings in this kind of customer and they have this modeled LTV and like this modeled kind of first purchase. You don't know until you try. Um, but I think that's kind of the, the biggest thing is understand that if you only go by data, you will always kind of like not be cutting edge i know it sounds like non-technical but you have to push the boundaries of what has happened in the past because mm-hmm. using your your past data will always limit kind of your future ability to grow um yeah. and this is by the way this is what happens um when companies get bigger like in the beginning there's like this strategy they call it like the stars and the sentinels so essentially when a company starts it's all the people who are willing to take risks they're going to go for it they're going to try to change things and then you get big enough or you get risk averse enough. There's two versions of this and you start having sentinels, which are just protectors. So like when a company gets really big, they have, you know, lawyers and accountants and, and finance teams, and they all tell the kind of people who want to go spend money to grow the business, chill out. That's hmm. dangerous. Not do that. You're not growing the business. And they're very important. Like that's not me denigrating anybody. Um, but they're going to stop you from kind of going and experimenting, or you're going to have to prove out all the experiments. So while you don't have those people, don't become one of those people all the time, right? You need to have some allocation for testing across everywhere. Again, your landing pages, your your pricing, your ads, your emails, all the places that are customer touch points have to have some sort of experimentation on a monthly basis built in to see if there's something new that you can do. By the way, we're, we're a SaaS platform. We literally, I have a backlog on the growth side of like 70 things that we like, we're going to test. We just, but we do like five a month because essentially mm-hmm. like the data would get like, it would get too jumbled if we ran every single thing at the same time. But it's like, how do we deliver a better experience to the customers? And if the customers are happy, we receive the value. 
from that because they stay around, they tell people about us, and it's all happy days. But if a company is not testing and their their desire is to essentially over-index on how they receive value, not how the customer receives value, like that will always, that has, in my experience, eventually will fail you. Yeah, you'll get the good customers that you were always going to get, but you're not going to get the customers that are adjacent to those good customers. Um, and or you're not going to get the referrals that those customers are going to give because they didn't, like your friend goes and tells you and then you come and have an experience where you're like, I don't know about this. I, I use this brand instead usually. They're not going to, they're not going to convert. Yeah. And so my, my like call to arms for everybody is like focus on your customers and don't stop testing new things because you're, you don't know what you don't know. And the data will always tell you that you know everything. Mm -hmm. And that is like a, that's a fallacy. You don't know, like if you don't know anything, yeah. um, go forward with that and you'll find amazing things that will open up the world, um, and find new customers that can become your best customers. Like you don't actually know. We all say, well, we know our ICP. Like, do you Coke has hundreds of millions of dollars. Apple has hundreds yeah. of billions of dollars of, of data to say, we know who our customer is. Do you have that? Cause if you yeah. have a million dollars of data saying, oh, I know who my customer is like, nah. That's, that's not actually like in the, in the grand scheme of things, that's not a significant amount of information to be able to like meaningfully tell you over the course of the next couple of years who your customer is. Cause if you grow that, that audience will change. Hmm. Yeah. A hundred percent. Thank you so much. It's been, it's been such a pleasure to have a chat and kind of geek out a bit about yeah. creative. That's great. It's, it, it's the best topic uh, to chat about. If people want to follow yourself, they want to check out pencil. What are the details? Yeah, so you can go to uh, trypencil.com. Um, and if you want to chat with me, um, it's I'm, I am Chase Moseni dot, uh, or Ch at Chase Moseni. So um, I'm sure Frazier will have it in the show notes. Um, mm -hmm. And I talk about creative, I break down creative um, and talk about like growth strategies and stuff like that. And then, you know, a lot of quote, quote retweets of friends as well. So if yeah. you enjoy that, give me a follow. Happy days. Thank you so much yeah. for your time, bud. Yeah, cheers. I appreciate it. Thank you. And that's it for this week's edition of the D2C Deep Dive. Thank you ever so much for joining me. I'll be back next week. Make sure that you hit subscribe, hit follow, leave a comment, leave a review, all that stuff. It's it. I appreciate you. So thank you. Drop us a follow on Twitter, and I'll see you in the next one.